What's up, Skytown? Welcome once again to the world-famous, the world-famous Skyhook Podcast. I am Chris Pennett, your co-host here with the man, the myth, the legend, James K., the freshly engaged Captain Picarded, ring on the finger, do not linger at the doorway, James K. James, what's up, man? You always hit me with these intros and outros that I just don't know what to do with. Um, I, You know what? I appreciate you, man. I, it's been really nice to see. Uh, I just appreciate everyone that's been so kind about the engagement news. So still riding off the high of that, obviously. But excited to talk Sky Basketball with you because we got a, a lot to discuss over some, you know, when we recorded just a week ago. So let's do it, man. I'm excited. Well, let's talk about yesterday's game. Sky faced the Aces national TV. It was Notre Dame night in Chicago. And to be fair, the Notre Dame stars were all right. They were they were all right. It was the Rutgers, the Rutgers star that took center stage, really. Uh, 107-95 Aces, but Kalia Copper put on an absolute show. 37 points, her season high. Uh, I think fifth highest point total in the league this year. Went to the free throw line 11 times. Second straight game. She went to the foul line 11 times. Yeah. And we were both talking about this. Vegas is the presumptive favorite to win the title, and this year it's actually warranted. But the sky looked pretty good considering the, what was stacked against them. Chris, you're 100% right. This was a really balanced effort, even though Kalia Copper did put up a career-high 37 points on 12 of 18 shooting four of seven from deep. I mean, this was a complete performance from her where she was scoring at all three levels. And this is what we think of when we think of Kalia Copper. This is when we think of, of her ceiling. We think of this version of Kalia Copper. And she put on a show during primetime. It was so amazing to watch. I mean, I was audibly reacting to this from and my girlfriend or my fiance, excuse me, from the other room. So you just wanted to throw that in there. No, I dude, I keep slipping up. It's so bad. But <laughs> my fiance kept being like, Are you good? Is everything okay? I'm like, you just you gotta see what Ka's doing right now. <laughs> but I was really impressed by everyone else up and down this roster, too. I mean, it was just a complete effort. It was balanced. Everyone was getting involved and I know the sky lost, but it really did feel like the sky turned a corner offensively. And obviously they got to, you know, string a few of these games together to get to a point where this is something that can be a high for them that they, it can just be second nature. Like it kind of did feel at one point during the season in terms of the ball movement. And they kind of returned to their early season form a little bit in that sense. What stuck out to you, man? I mean, Courtney Williams, just continues to put up a show uh, you know she's 11 assists last night i think there's just so many things that you could point to right now for especially from last game where you would as this person that evaluates this guy would probably be like oh they got to continue to do that definitely courtney williams 11 assists 11 points uh, i know it's it's completely balanced on the scoreboard but that's what you really look for from your from your point guard, from your distributor, your primary distributor. Kyle getting to the line really sticks out. Um, there was a play late when the sky, I think they cut it to 10, either 12 or 10 after she hit the free throw, where uh, Vegas reviewed it. Chelsea Gray, it was, it was replayed a few times. And I think, was it Ryan and Rebecca on that broadcast? I'm not going to lie, man. I usually watch those on mute. 
I'm sorry, my girl, my fiance keeps telling me I'm a psychopath for that. But um, I I don't know who was on the broadcast. I think it might have been Lobo, though, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I know whoever the color announcer was. Yeah, they were saying that Chelsea got to the spot, and those are those are if those are iffy calls because she moved her foot to the right and then kind of stretched upward to take the contact but she was outside of the of the charge circle so you have that situation where the veteran player chelsea gray who is not only a, a you know, at least an adequate de- perimeter defender but also knows exactly where to be and how to get those calls in terms of trying to draw an offensive foul and that's a tough foul to get but you figure with a player like chelsea gray with a team like the aces even on the road there's a better than average chance that after a replay with the officials having time to decide it in a game that was already fairly well in the books, that it might go Vegas's way. But Ka got that call. And that, I think, is more telling than it might look mm. for if you just take it in the, oh, this was a one moment in the closing stages of a game that was already won by Las Vegas. We saw Kalia Copper get to the free throw line six uh, have six free throw attempts. I think in the within the first twelve games of the season, I think that happened three, uh, twice or three times. It's happened three or four times in the last six. And like I said, she has twenty two foul shots in the last two games. One of those was against Seattle. You could you could almost almost write that off because Seattle is not a good defensive team and they're rebuilding. But 11 free throws against the Aces, even when they're missing Candace Parker, is headline news. That means not only is Ka getting to spots where she can get fouled and possibly have a chance to complete a three-point play, but the referees, since they're the factor, the referees are respecting her ability so that it's not just, oh, that was blocked or she put up a bad shot. It's like, oh, there must have been some contact. Kalia Copper is getting calls. I think you saw that she didn't have a lot of assists or rebounds yesterday. She was going out there to score. And when you put the primary scoring in her hands and let some of those other things fall to Courtney Williams, fall to Marina Mabry, fall to Elizabeth Williams, fall to um, Robin Parks or Alana Smith or Morgan Birch when they're in the game and talking about rebounding and moving the ball, I think you have more success. I don't necessarily want Kyle to be all over the floor. Like, let her focus on scoring, distribute the ball, get everybody an even number of touches but let her get her scoring in. And just to do a little homework mid-pod, you're totally right, man. Ka was not getting to the line as frequently as she was, or like she's getting to the line more frequently now than she was earlier this season. She is starting to get those calls. Um, in the month of July, she's had her top or her top three most, uh, she's had her most trip to the line in July than she's had at any point this season. 11, 11, and 8. I mean, we're seeing her attack the rim more aggressively, and she always does, but we are seeing her get to the line more frequently, and that's only a plus for this guy. I'm totally with you. When she gets going the way that she did last night, it just opens up the rest of the floor for this team, and I am really curious to see how the second half of her season looks because obviously... We talked about it last show, how she has this potential to be a 25 point per game score. And when you see what she's done the last three nights or the last three games, I should say, it does seem like this is something that she's like putting it together. And she has like this, these next 
15 games. These next 15 games, she's able to replicate somewhat of what she's done since the All-Star break. She's averaging over 27 points per game. She's shooting close to 39% from deep on close to like four. I think it's either four or six attempts, whatever it is. Ka is really turned a corner herself offensively, and that just opens up the sky's offense. I can't express it enough. Like when she gets going, the rest of the offense really starts to flow. And it feels like she's even found her flow within the sky's offense. So it's it's mutually beneficial for both of those from the four players on the floor with her and Ka herself to for them to figure out the flow and how to utilize her and just get her to her spots. I think that's the biggest thing we've seen Ka get to her spots over the last three games in a way that it seemed like at times was a little bit difficult for this guy in the first half of the season, if that makes sense. Yeah, it was, it was really that some of it was organization. You're, you're trying to find exactly what works with a new combination of players. And Ka knew what she was going to get on a given night playing with Courtney Vandersloot for the last five years, six years. Yes, even 2017. Yeah. Yeah, even with the way the rotations worked, bringing in Candace and Emma, um, playing with Diamond beforehand, uh, playing with Z, playing with the Stew, uh, playing with with Gabby Williams, you pretty much knew what you were going to get. And she developed, and she was still developing as a player. Now she's in a veteran's role, but things were changing. Like where was the ball going to be coming from? Where was where was your role going to be? The only thing that was really consistent was that she was going to get at least two or three um, three-point shots, whether from the corner or the elbow during a game. And so it seemed like the way the spacing worked, she wasn't able to get baseline as much as she had in the past. Now she's not only getting baseline, she's able to get to those spots where either it's late in the shot clock or the side is cleared out for her enough, well enough, that the defense can't rotate back and she can get to the rim one-on-one. That's what we've seen. That's what we saw last night. That that's really what we've seen in the last few games. Even if the shooting hasn't been there every single game since the break or since before the break, we're seeing Kalia Copper get to the rim and able and is able and, and her being able to finish more effectively, like we've seen in the past. Absolutely. And she did this against the Aces, who are one of the better defensive teams in the WNBA. I mean, statistically, they are the best, I believe. I was looking at it beforehand that they have the best defensive rating according to positive residuals database. This is a team. <laughs> this is a two-way team. This is They are putting up all-time stats for a reason. It's not just what they're able to do on the offensive end when you have someone like Chelsea Gray and Kelsey Plum and Asia Wilson, obviously, who last night, I mean, they, they put up, I think, close to either over 70 points or close to it just combined. Even Jackie Young had a quote-unquote off night. You know, she, from a scoring efficiency standpoint, wasn't quite there. But she's she even she had a few finishes yesterday where it's like, how does anybody stop this offense? And I do like what the Sky have done over the last couple of games. Look, you're right. Seattle is Seattle. That is not a, a uh, <laughs> that's not a championship roster by any means. Like, the, I'm not trying to be mean, but it's like that's not a team that's going to go to the playoffs anytime soon um, and got some nice talent, but to see this guy do what they did 95 points against the aces mm-hmm. is nothing to shake your head at or just be like, or just scoff at, you know, this is something that 
if the sky are able to take the momentum off this game and bottle it for these next 15 ish games, I kind of think that they could potentially overtake the links. So a lot, a lot has to happen obviously, but the thing that this one last point on caught, she talked about in the post game presser yesterday, just about how the team is just giving more energy than it did during stretches of like in the first half of the season, like the, the energy is starting to pick up. You saw Emery, he's become more emphatic on the sidelines a little bit more from what I've seen. And I do think that things can trend in the right direction. If the sky again are able to build off the momentum, that's been the problem this entire season is that they haven't been able to build off the momentum that they've had outside of the start to the season. No, they, they haven't been able to string anything together. It's really striking when you look at it in, in a graph form, talking about the sky's record and the margin of victory or the margin of defeat, only three of their losses have been by less than 10 points. And mo- and all of those were before the break. All of those were, I think, in the I think those were all in the first eight games. So some of that is to the reorganization of depth, where you lose Izzy Harrison in the preseason and you lose Rebecca Gardner after two and a half games, for sure. So you're going to lose something on defense the same way that without Candace Parker, the Aces lose something defensively. But even their wins, they've had. I think two wins going away. Most of their wins have been within five points, six points. I think their closest within that that range is eight points. The or sorry, their their largest win within that range is eight points. That Seattle game was their third blowout win, you know, by statistically a blowout of the season. Seattle Phoenix, you have to beat those teams by ten points or more. Yeah, we we haven't talked about the Phoenix game yet on this pod. But to be outscored on the bench the way they were is devastating. Just absolutely devastating. And the Sky's bench play hasn't been where they wanted all year. Again, you're missing personnel. But you have to figure something out at this point. There's no time left. The, this is the stretch run. You're totally right. And one thing that I would monitor is just seeing how much more playing time that Robin Parks gets. Because I yeah. do, Emre clearly values spacing. Like we've seen him, there was this one clip that I saw where we see Emre just going like stretching out, being like, keep spacing everything out, like stay in the corners, make sure, like, you know, we. it's so funny when we talk about super teams, the one thing that we never talk about is like, who's going to make the spacing cut? Who is going to sacrifice and not be the one that gets the ball and is just willing to open up things for the offense? And we saw that a lot from the sky yesterday, but we want that space needs to keep being created. And the way you do that is you have shooters like Robin Parks on the floor. I am curious to see how many lineups we have where maybe to, maybe when it's more offense defense, where you take Elizabeth Williams out for a possession, you put Robin Parks in and you just have five people on the floor that can shoot in Alana Smith, Courtney Williams, Marina Mabry, Kalia Copper, like, I'm curious to see if we're going to see more of those lineups. I have no data to support it. I just seeing what Robin was doing yesterday and again, finding her flow within this guy's offense, hitting a couple of shots. I'm curious to see if Emery ends up going to Robin parks a little bit more down the stretch. Just as again, they're still trying to figure out things on offense, right? So why not throw out someone who has consistently been pretty solid for the sky from beyond the arc this year? Obviously, 
to stay on the floor. You can't just be a three-point shooter. I'm not saying that's what Robin is, but just something to, I would say, to monitor as the sky move forward. I would say, though, Chris, a big thing that stuck out to me is just the hole that Candace Parker has left behind over the last six games that she's been out with the Aces. I mean, she... Honestly, when this when the ace when she's been out for a bit, you know, with this uh, this foot injury, I wasn't too worried about it before. I, I wasn't worried. Like she is someone that I thought they could just play Kia Stokes, have her kind of hold things down while Candace is out, and then play her towards the back end of the season. But we did find out yesterday that she's been playing on a fractured foot for the entirety of the season, and she's out indefinitely now. So. Look, the, the aces are the aces. I am curious, though. Does this change your mind at all about where what their destiny could be towards the end of the season? And do you think that the aces are going to be able to adjust? Because I do think they are by all. I do personally think they will. But I do think it, it become. I think things become a little bit more interesting without Candace on the floor. Um, it's, it's tough to say exactly what happens. You have Alicia Clark in there to shore up your perimeter defense. So you lose something without Candace, but like I've been talking to you and Steven Garner all season, this was a year for Candace to like play 15, 20 minutes a night, at least during the regular season, you know, score 20 if she felt like it, get 10 boards if she felt like it, get five assists if she felt like it, and just kind of direct traffic. It, like, like she was... Like Candace this year was on the grill. Like, hey, I'm gonna be on the grill, tell stories. We're in the backyard. Hey, you want me to shoot one? I'll shoot one. <laughs> so <laughs> Las Vegas losing her does hurt their rotation because she was an integral part of that rotation, but she wasn't a primary call. That's Jackie, Kelsey, Chelsea, Asia. This puts some more of the onus on on Kia Stokes. Um, and you have to figure out, I mean, now. Losing Ileana Repair doesn't look as good because she was getting some, you know, limited run, but there are times where she's, you know, she's still a young developing player and it looked like she was developing well in that system. So now, like, where do you go outside of Alicia Clark in your uh, in your post for, for bodies? They're probably going to pick up a hardship contract, but, you know, that's not Kirsten Bell. Love seeing Kirsten Bell get run this year, but you're not seeing Kirsten Bell adequately defend in the post so it's a little bit thinner for them they're still the presumptive favorite but um well i know we're going to go to it later in the year and later in the post the podcast yeah there's some possibility that somebody else could take them when it comes to the finals or the, not the, i don't think the playoffs i think they get to the finals but somebody could take them when they get to the finals yeah i i still am in the the camp that the, the aces are going to win the, the WNBA title this year. I feel pretty good about that. They do feel like this team that just, when you have this four headed monster and Jackie young, Asia Wilson. Uh, Kelsey oh, Blum. okay. Sorry. You said four headed monster. And I thought, four. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Somebody had a bit. Sorry. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> it's that, uh, Hump day afternoon blues, man. I get you, but no, you're right. Um, <laughs> no, but I do think when you have those four all stars, and you surround them with Kia Stokes, I mean, we've already seen what they can do. I mean, they won a championship last year with that exact group, and I'm not too worried about it in that sense. I just, uh, 
the fatigue factor is something that I am just a little bit curious about when it comes to Candace being out and this team still put up 107 points yesterday. Obviously it's not against the best defensive team in the league, but the aces are, I think are going to be okay. To me, this feels more about the playoffs than anything else too. Just about you have a veteran leader in Candace Parker to calm you in the moments when you need to be calmed. Again, even that might not matter because you have five players in that starting group. Now, if Kia Stokes continues to get the nod and she should, I mean, she's, her and Asia Wilson since the second half of last season have been probably one of the best front court tandems in terms of net rating, if I had to guess. I mean, those two have been great all year. It should be fine. It's just, it's like when in Game of Thrones, I know you don't watch Game of Thrones. It's like when Game of Thrones. Oh, when no, it, I, I watch Game of Thrones. You, I thought you said you didn't watch Game of Thrones. No, I hated the last season like everybody else, but I like Game of Thrones. Okay, well, it's like when Khaleesi loses one of her dragons. She still has the other two and could wipe out an entire city. And guess what? She does with one. Doesn't matter. Not the best analogy. I'm just saying, I do think that the the aces are going to be fine and that Asia Wilson probably will win MVP this year because of the two-way dominance that she has. I don't even want to get into the discourse that we've seen on Twitter when it comes to this, because it's just flat out moronic, but Asia Wilson, 2023 MVP is something that I would feel pretty good about at this point, even with the way that Brianna Stewart and Alyssa Thomas have been playing her impact. Alyssa, I mean, Asia Wilson's impact every single game has been unbelievable. And we saw it again last night. So do you, you want to, Oh yeah, go for it. You know, it was funny. One thing that immediately jumped out to me because I, uh, I like looking at plus minus a lot. Asia was even for the for the entire game. She was mm-hmm. even plus minus in the first half, even plus minus in the second half. And Las Vegas won every quarter, so they they won the game and just kept stretching their league out their lead out. But whereas Chelsea Gray was uh, was it plus seven in the first in the second half, and I think she was plus twelve for the entire game. And it's Chelsea Gray, you know, this is what she does. She finds players. She she's your safety valve on offense. It makes sense. It was just curious to me that Asia was 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 even like kind of a wash in terms of plus minus, considering the opponent they were playing and what they had in the in the front court. Really, you know, Alana Smith even before she went out of the game has just not looked herself since that uh, since she got that cut over her eye. Um, was that coming right out, coming out of the break or going going into the break? I think it was like against Connecticut. She hasn't quite looked what she what she was in the first half of the season. That is all to say that was an interesting anecdote. You are exactly right. Asia Wilson MVP for the twenty twenty three season would be a very reasonable vote. I still think that Alyssa Thomas especially if, if if at any point in time Connecticut finishes second or first, then Alyssa Thomas should be in the running for MVP. Like at first I thought it was, you know, she's going to get some votes no matter what. But now I'm like, hey, she should be one, two. Um, and Brianna Stewart, anytime she steps on the court and she's above 90% for the season is an MVP candidate because she has that skill set. She's an MVP candidate. Same with Asia. So any vote for any of those three at the moment, it feels right. and. Asia's, I don't want this to downplay Asia. I, I know she's a great player. I think it's 
it's between those three and and that's okay i'm with you that's there's one tier of mvp candidates and it is those three and if i had a vote today it would be asia wilson as mvp Alyssa thomas as my defensive player of the year and it would be really tough to leave stewie out based on her two-way impact as well but i really have just the the sour taste in my mouth when I've seen people talk about this whole MVP race and saying that because Asia Wilson's on a super team that she shouldn't be considered for the MVP or she should be lower on the totem pole. And I just find that to be outrageous given how she is what makes that, that whole system click, man, like the team's game plan for her. And this season On the floor, the Aces have a 21.1 net rating. And with her off the floor, it's closer to nine. You know, like when we talk about impact, right? We're talking about impact of a player. It's like anytime she's on the floor, she shows why she is turning herself into an all-time great WNBA player. We are watching greatness unfold right now. And I think we get so tired of having these like having, oh, looks like Michael Jordan won another championship or, oh, Maya Moore and the, and the Lynx won another championship. We're going to just try to chip away at the cases that they have the next year because we just love newness. We love be- everything feeling fresh like a fucking daisy when it comes to these awards. And I, God, I just wish we could you know what? bullshit a little bit sometimes. But let me, I, let me talk to let me talk to these people out here because I know that <laughs> argument and. You you're about you you're a year away again from getting married and you don't need this on your mind. Let me talk to y'all out there, bro. There are 130 some odd players in this league at any given time. 144 according to the 12 player, you know, ma- maximum, but we know that not every team is carrying 12 players. So assume 134 to 144 players at any given time playing in a 12 team league. This has happened before. And you know what happened in those cases? The best player typically won MVP. Now, there is that in a vacuum. Let me delve into that more deeply. When I'm talking about the early days of the NBA, when Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell came into the league, Wilt Chamberlain won MVP, I think, three times, and Bill Russell won it four times. And it was because of very flawed logic and the idea that is still out there that the MVP means something different to everybody. Let's put it in the perspective of the best player in the league and the most valuable to their team. Asia Wilson last night had a defensive rating of 106. Nobody else on the links had anything better than 113, and that was Kia Stokes who played one and a half minutes more, which means that Asia Wilson in 100 possessions estimated allowed 106 points. Everybody else was north of 110. I think the league scoring average this year for per game per 40 minutes is like 82. So if you put you if you mark that out to 100 possessions which every team average is about a pace of like 89. Asia Wilson is still the top defensive player in the league on the league's best team. If you talk about most value to their team, hey, we just talked about defense, which is preventing the other team from scoring. If we talk about what James just said, net rating, Asia Wilson off the floor means that Vegas is a pretty good team. With her on the floor, they are they are mind-bogglingly good. If you talk about her skill around the basket, we've seen that she can score. She can bully people. She has good footwork. She can pass out of the post now. 
And she has a decent mid-range shot now. There is no argument that makes sense in this particular era. I understand the super team dislike. I don't like it myself. But saying that Asia Wilson's on a super team and she shouldn't get MVP votes is... I don't know. I was trying to think of a food metaphor that made sense. Like saying, <sighs> you know, because Peach cherry pie is... Yeah, it's like cherry pie is so good and everybody eats it that you can't call cherry pie the best dessert or something. I don't like cherry pie. I don't really like pie, but I just thought I'd throw that in there. Che- yeah, that's right. I don't like pie. All right. Slander on I the don't pod. Like pie, dude. I don't like it. My my partner's in here shaking her head because she likes pie. I don't like I I like a certain type of pie that the, the rock likes, but we can't talk <laughs> about that on the podcast. Man, it's just uh it's just it, it's just so frustrating when we see all this stuff. But you know what, man? Let's turn this anger <laughs> towards someone else because we can't. I know we breezed by the Mercury loss and when the sky just couldn't buy a bucket. But to me, the most notable thing in that whole thing, Chris, the, the most notable thing was Sophie Cunningham was at it again. And we've had multiple instances this season where Sophie Cunningham has kind of initiated contact after a basketball play has been completed. And we saw it with Asia Wilson earlier this year when Asia Wilson blocked Sophie and Sophie, I think like grabbed her leg after the play was done. And I think Asia Wilson even said something after the game, we saw Azari Stevens on a less flagrant play, obviously, but it was, they were both kind of going for the ball. And I mean, Azari had clear possession, but Sophie put her arms through and tried to grab onto the ball like through Azrae's arms and then like slapped Azrae across the chest where Azrae Stevens was not happy about that after the game she actually tweeted about it and then it happened again against against the sky where Kalia Copper blocks Sophie Cunningham they both go for the ball Sophie's on the ground cause trying about to like run off i think it was like in either in transition or the fast break, whatever. And Sophie grabs Ka's ankle and Ka immediately turns around. And to her credit, kind of kept it together after Sophie, again, it was a dirty play. That is not a basketball play. You're not going for the ball at that point. You're just going after someone's ankle. And obviously, I mean, Ka said something after afterwards on social media, something about like, and what if I didn't keep my cool? What would happen in that situation? You know, and... Clearly, players are frustrated about this, where Sophie Cunningham has not been reprimanded by the league. At least to our knowledge, there are things that happen within the league that they don't publicize. They keep things in private channels. That is something that I've kind of learned since entering the W space. But it is something that is somewhat of a problem when you look at how players are not becoming vocal about this. And... I didn't see any reporting about it afterwards. If I still was a reporter, I'm telling you, I would have hopped on that Phoenix Mercury call and be like, what was your intention behind grabbing Kalia Copper's ankle? With that all being said, Chris, coming out of this whole situation where, you know, honestly, a week removed from it, things have died down. I am curious, though, do you think that the league should do something about this if it hasn't done anything? And do you think Sophie, yeah, does Sophie Cunningham deserve any type of penalty? after doing this multiple times this season and has a history of it from past seasons? Uh, It depends on if you think uh, 
a sharp elbow to the to the to the neck is a penalty. Like, is that a league mandated? Is that a fair league mandated penalty? The question is obviously yes. <laughs> like the question yeah. is obviously yes to um should should there be anything penalization from the league? We've seen this with players, we've seen it with Grayson Allen uh recently. And it's a very similar vibe you get from those two. I didn't see Sophie play in college, but this is who she's been since she's been in the league. And, you know, on one hand, it's, I remember an announcer saying, it's like, hey, you don't want to mix it up with Sophie Cunningham. She knows like Kung Fu or or some type of of martial art. And so there's there's being outspoken, there's being um, an irritant that is necessary in a competitive sport because if you are good and you can do that, then you take the other team out of their game plan. But we've seen her, this is, you know, who, who is she going, who is she had these incidents with? Azrae Stevens is not yet the focal point of Los Angeles's offense. Kalia Copper is for Chicago. Asia Wilson is for Las Vegas, but it's not focused or directed. It's, just her being her, which is an asshole. Yeah. It's, it's just, right it just is. It's not a basketball play. There's basketball plays that are in the heat of the moment. And there's non-basketball players where you are deliberately trying to hurt somebody. And I think if you've played any pickup, you've there's been a point in time where either you are and you, one, you're an asshole or two, you've gotten heated enough where you wanted to do something to hurt somebody and either there's a way where you do it like openly, like, hey, we're like, yo, I'm going to like you push somebody and then you like swing on them. Or I'm going to fight you. And you're going to fight somebody straight up or you do something sneaky, like slide your foot underneath theirs after they jump for a jumper or you try to tabletop them when they jump for a rebound, both of which are dirty as hell. Yeah. Unless you somehow do it accidentally. I did. I I remember playing once pickup and I was doing the ladder to somebody who's a friend of mine, honestly, a dude that I kicked it with fairly often. And every time he would jump for a rebound, I couldn't now jump him. So I was trying to like body him out of the way. But once he went up, he didn't have anywhere to land. So the second time he did it, he's like, got in my face. He's like, yo, stop doing that. He didn't threaten <laughs> me with anything. He just said, stop doing that. And I was so caught off guard that I was like, hey, my bad. I'm sorry. He wasn't ready for it then. And I talked to him after the game. I think he was still angry after the game. But it was like, that's the type of plays that she's that she is going into these games with. That's the type of mindset. And it's deliberate. Like mine was accidental and he was pissed. Hers are on purpose. So players have to be like absolutely furious because they know that she's done this in the past and they know that she's going to do it again. And you can't wait for somebody to get hurt because either the next person she pulls this on is going to get hurt or somebody's going to lose their cool and say enough enough with this and give Sophie the Robert Parrish one-two. Yeah, man. And that's the thing that I have been waiting for, not as someone that wants to see it. I the, what, what I actually want to see, Chris, is the league do something about this. And again, maybe this is something that happens in a private channel that we don't know about being like, hey, look, and we got to be straightforward here, Chris, right? Sophie Cunningham, in terms of the importance of the WNBA, is so far down the pecking order compared to Asia Wilson and Kalia Copper. You protect your stars, man. You protect your stars. Could you imagine if something happened and like Asia pulled something after blocking Sophie Cunningham 
and we just didn't have this dominant season that Asia Wilson had, and not even just us. If Asia Wilson's for her own health, you know, someone that's putting on an MVP type performance is on her way to becoming, she probably is already an all-time great player, but like solidifying herself and continuing her journey to try to become the best WNBA player of all time. Because you didn't do anything about Sophie continuously showing this behavior, this ugly side of her, that you just robbed someone of that or a team of that, a fan base of that. I mean, what the fuck are we doing at this point? Especially, look, the Azrae Stevens one, like it was bad. It wasn't as bad as the one when it, with Ka, you know, who you you just you can't let That's some, saying something. I know, man. I know, and it, I just it, it pisses me off, man, that we also don't have enough reporters to like again someone be in the Phoenix space to just be like, hey, what was your intention when you grabbed her ankle and the ball was farther away, right? What is your intention when you do something like that? This is why you hold people accountable this way. And if the league were to lose a Kalia Copper or an Asia Wilson, it would be a travesty. And it's not, again, it's not about role. Honestly, anyone that gets injured in that situation, especially after, again, this is a, a frequent thing that Sophie's doing. You want to just protect your players. And I am sure they are taking notice of that shit when there is radio silence on the issue. And that just leaves me, again, with a sour taste in my mouth. Sophie cannot keep getting away with this, which is a really funny thing to say, but she just can't keep repeating this behavior without... You gotta, you gotta say it like Jesse Pinkman. You gotta do it. <laughs> it can't keep getting away with this. Um, <laughs> and I hate finding WNBA players, too. I don't want to see Sophie Cunningham... I mean... <laughs> I don't know. I I don't want to see any WNBA player get fined because of how little they're paid and right. how look, pay is an issue. I don't want to see anyone get fined, but there has to be some type of consequence here. I, I'm not in favor of fines either. I really am not in favor of fines either. I'm really not in favor of fines. But you gotta miss time. I know that those yes. are doing the same thing. If you take a player off the floor, then some of their salary is docked, but You've got to miss some time. You've got to do something that says, hey, we are not going to allow this. We are not going to allow this. We are not going to let you deliberately try to take time and money away from other players. You're not going to, you know, honestly, a fine, I think, doesn't work, not necessarily because you're of the money, but you're allowing them to still play. Yeah. And I would love to see it from Phoenix, but they bred it Sophie up. So they're running with her, um, at least before Matt Ishbia took over the reins. So you take Sophie off the floor, you keep your other players out of harm's way, at least from this player. And you're telling her, hey, we're not putting up with this. We're not going to we're not going to let it slide. And you absolutely have to do that. You have to do that. Yeah, man. And I hate complaining about physical play. I really do because I well, love this it. isn't just physical play. Exactly. That's the thing that I like. I want to hammer here. This isn't just because Kalia Copper got tangled up with Sophie Cunningham. You know, like this is I'm all for physical basketball. I love when the refs don't make themselves the main character and you let basketball be the physical sport that it is. And I hate even like, again, I, I I like the idea of the Sophie Cunningham 
type player where you're trying to get in the other team's head. This goes so far past this, far past that, where I don't like the something just needs to happen on this end. And Sophie, you, <laughs> you're not as valuable as you think, man. You're not as valuable as you think. Think about your next contract too after 2024. You know, if you're trying to intentionally hurt the players that are on the floor, I'm sorry, your 11 points per game this year is not going to be good enough to keep you on a roster, in my opinion. I'm sorry. I know Fuck. she's been, Fuck. you know, this is, you can't just be a good basketball player to stay on a WNBA roster. And I don't know what the hell is going on with Tina Charles this year. You know, like Tina's just bounced around a decent amount over the last couple of years. And Tina Charles isn't on a basketball on a WNBA roster. It's not because of the talent, man. You know, I'm not, and that's not an attack on Tina Charles's character or anything, but it's like, you can't just be good at basketball to stay on a WNBA roster. You, you just can't. It's not how the league works. So yeah, I'm thinking Tina about is a better player than Sophie. Yeah. I mean, we're not, I mean, come on. We're talking about an all time great player versus uh, someone that over the last three, four seasons has really, figured things out a little bit. And again, look, you, you look at someone who's hitting, you know, she shot 40% from deep on just over six attempts a game last year. Like, obviously you pay that player, whatever. That's what the spreadsheet tells you and everything. Basketball is deeper than that. And I'm telling you, it would be crazy, crazy to think that shit like this would cost her either money or a new situation. If she wanted to pursue a new situation, Phoenix loves her. The Phoenix fan base loves her. I honestly see her being on Phoenix for her entire career. She'll get that unwavering support. Find you someone that loves you as much as the Phoenix Mercury social media team loves Sophie Cunningham, okay? I wish that for all of you. But I don't think I'm being crazy right now or, or reactionary. No, here. I'm just like, you are very subtly roasting Phoenix and I'm digging it. <laughs> I like the I guess what I like the contract for them heading into 2023 but th but this is the stuff like these little things that don't show up on the spreadsheet or any database that you have this is like these instances this year specifically have been worse in my opinion than in the past and it doesn't say that those things weren't bad before it's just worse now when you see the continuation of it and just have no type of remorse again i'm not on every single phoenix mercury press conference but i have seen no reporting and i got a feeling that if a response from sophie cunningham was made and she was asked about it we would have heard something and we didn't so um it's just been kind of crazy chris but let's hey while we're on the west coast let's talk a little bit about jewel lloyd man jewel lloyd talked to the chicago sun times about the potential of her playing in Chicago in the future. And one thing that she told any Costable friend of the pod was that she, this is the quote from her. She said, of course, I've thought about it. Every person wants to play in their hometown, whether it's playing there for college, whatever it is, there's always a different feel. I always say Chicago is one of my favorite places to play at the same time. I've only known the Seattle store my entire career. So it puts ideas in your head, right? When you think about wanting to retain Kalia Copper and the idea about what those two could look like on the same team. 
Do you think, Chris, Jewel Lloyd, who is a free agent at the end of this year, someone who can't be cored by the Seattle Storm after she had signed a two-year deal where she was cored and then signed the deal, do you think that Jewel Lloyd would come to Chicago? And what do you think of the prospect of bringing Jewel as a way also to potentially keep Kalia Copper in the fold? This is difficult um, because yeah. you have a multitude of wings on the roster now. That's the toughest thing, I think, is making it really work and fit. Potentially, if you played your cards right, then the sky could jet to contention status depending on on who you get back. Um, not in a trade or anything, but who you who you get back from this season. Because Rebecca Gardner's still out, but she's a key defensive piece that the sky signed and somebody who was fitting into that wing role as a as a reserve, as like a probably 20 minute a night reserve. So then what do you do with Rebecca Gardner? You know, do you keep her? Do you let her go? You know, ideal, you know, obviously she's not Jewel Lloyd, but I think that she had hammered out a place in the team. You have Marina Mabry, who is not quite founder niche in terms of like, is she, you know, running them? Is she facilitating more like acting as a facility, a facilitator, utility player, or is she a primary scorer? Is she primary ball handler? Um, Courtney Williams. It's like, where do those pieces all fit in? So before I say, yes, she would come, the sky have to figure those things out, but they also have to put on that they are a contending team. I don't see Jewel Lloyd going anywhere but a contending team and not just a playoff contending team, not just that we're trying to make it to the top half of the seating. We're trying to contend for a championship. So this guy, again, I've said it all year long. You've got to get to the playoffs and make noise. You've got to get to the playoffs and be in a position to at least screw somebody's day up, if not get to the semifinals. The sky have not yet been able to prove that they can do that. They have to prove that they're a contending team a playoff, a, a championship contending team, just like on the outskirts of that before they can think of signing Jewel Lloyd. I'm with you. And because of the backcourt depth, it does feel a little awkward if the sky were to sign Jewel Lloyd just from one, you would immediately, you know, from a cap space perspective, would probably have to get rid of Courtney Williams, who's making 160K this year, has is heading into the Aces game was fourth in assist per game, fourth in assist points created. She is someone that has proven that she can be a really solid WNBA player. I mean, she's proven that throughout the course of her career, but her stock has gone up after some up and down moments in Connecticut the season before. I think Courtney Williams is going to find a deal that I think someone would be willing to pay her 160 or 140, 160, depending on the years after what she's been what she's done this year. She's been really solid for this guy. And then you kind of have to figure out what that what it looks like from like an offense with Jewel Lloyd, Marina Mabry, and, and Kalia Copper, and Marina Mabry, who has expressed that she's liked the freedom that she's had with this guy's offense this year. I think that was one of the appeals of coming to Chicago and signing a deal was that you can move away from someone who is a little bit more ball dominant. And I honestly, no one's more ball dominant than Arike, but in terms of thinking about them offensively from that standpoint, where you have a trio of Marina Mabry, Kalia Copper, Jewel Lloyd, 
I'm interested to see how that would work. I think defensively, it's actually much more manageable than it appears on paper. Like I do think Kalia Copper has proven that she can guard people like Dewana Bonner or someone like Kelsey Plum. She's someone that can guard perimeter play and, you know, people on the wing and Jewel Lloyd, you couple those two together. I mean, defensively, that would just be, I mean, a coach's dream. Like that would just the, the havoc that they would be able to create between those two. I, I am fascinated by defensively and even offensively. I think those two could make it work. But Marina Mabry is definitely the one where I would just, I wonder how it would work, especially since she has had a, a score first mentality this year. And if you get rid of Courtney Williams, again, I would hate to see that because I do think Courtney Williams, not even just on the court, off the court, she has just been everything this team has needed. She is an absolute joy. But I am curious to see how it works from a facilitating standpoint. And we've seen that this team has really relied on Courtney Williams to be the playmaker for this t- for this squad. And I don't know how it trickles down. And I guess I'm all, the question that I'll pose to you, you just said that Jewel Lloyd's going to go to a contender or just a, someone that can compete for a championship next year. Let's assume that because I like to assume that every athlete, that should be their priority to a certain degree. Does a Kalia Copper, Marina Mabry, Jewel Lloyd, Elizabeth Williams, and Isabel Harrison slash Alana Smith squad right there. Let's just say that's the your core right there. You have to get rid of, let's say, Rebecca Gardner, who I think could, again, also get a payday. Um, when you work within the fringes of the roster after that, is that a championship contending team when you see what New York and Las Vegas still has going into next year? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, it depends somewhat on how those players would mesh. And I know that's not the question you're asking, but this is the second time we've seen Alana in the league. And this is the first time we've seen her really succeed. And it's even then it's still coming spurts. It's like, okay, here's the possibilities of what we have. Now let's see it develop more so. Um, So we're still seeing Alana develop into a quality rotation player. So I think we're trying to, if you say, you know, Alana is a key piece in that. I wouldn't say that she's ready quite yet to be that key piece. So it's not just her. It's that group in, in itself. And and as you said, compared to those other two, uh, one of which we've seen click from, well, last year, and then now clicking again. And the one that was maybe starting to hit their stride. So unfortunately, no. So you would have to make some changes, which, you know, it's, are you in a position to make deliberate changes? It's still worth getting Jewel. It's still worth throwing money at Jewel. And I know you're in agreement with that too. I I know you're in agreement with that, but it's tough because on the face of it, it is hard for me to say that it, that it works. At least enough to win a championship. I would be intrigued by it. I think that you, I think you, as a franchise can overthink things when you look at fit too hard. Like obviously it's a big component of it, but talent does win out for most of the time in the end. And when you have a chance to get Jewel Lloyd, my fucking God, do you go and get Jewel Lloyd? You just do it. It's it's it is something that 
you don't think twice about you hand jewel a blank check and say whatever number you want even with, without the cba fuck it I, I will pay you whatever the fuck you want you know pull some aces shit with this you know i you do that you 100 do that and i think the best way of keeping ka as well man you go ahead and try to sign jewel lloyd i just wonder if both of those players think looking at the the sky's roster and Alana Smith's also an unrestricted free agent next year. So who knows? I mean, the, the sky have some really interesting things coming up on the salary cap front that we don't have to get into now. I'm just saying, I don't know if that is a championship caliber team. If even with those two players coming in, I don't know if that's enough to take down the upper echelon of the WNBA, even if this guy get closer to that to those teams necessarily and a lot can change in a year you know a lot can change in six months as the sky can attest to so i'm not ruling anything out but just as a thought of experience thought experience of just looking at what jewel lloyd would look like on this roster with kalia copper and bring back some of the people that are signed through 2024 i'm a little skeptical that that's a championship team but as Dwayne wade said it is a goal to keep the centerpiece of the franchise. And that is going to be, man, I don't even want to think about it right now because I just want to enjoy Kalia Copper mid season right now, but it is that's you got to throw the kitchen sink at trying to make sure that this franchise is committed to keeping Kalia Copper in any way that it can. So we'll see what happens, but um, yeah, moving forward. I mean, speaking of the championship, Chris, we got to do some. I, I haven't revisited odds of anything in such a long time. Let's uh, run through some DraftKings odds for what these teams are at right now for the rest of the way in terms of what winning a championship. What what did you have in mind for the props? I was I wasn't sure if we were looking at the same thing with this. Oh, just in terms of like what the what the odds are, or yeah, is that where you wanted to go with this conversation? Just looking at the odds and seeing like what we like, or what 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 did you want to well... do? I, I know DraftKings came out with their playoff odds, so it was they. I think were pretty simple. They've had the futures in terms of who's winning the championship for most of the season, and since they won, Las Vegas has been the only favorite. I think even New York was like plus two fifty. New York was like plus one seventy five at the outset of the season, and now they're maybe plus two fifty on DraftKings. Uh, but let's say what were we talking about before? Like, would you take Las Vegas or the field at this point? Which isn't crazy, by the way. Like, no. You look at the Aces are the only team that have negative odds here. They're m- minus three hundred, and then everyone else is plus whatever. And a lot of my draft buddies have been asking me about the WNBA because the books are so bad, and they're like, "Why would I take the Aces at minus three hundred? That just doesn't seem." Like a smart move compared to looking at the Liberty. Like they've got Brianna Stewart. They have that Sabrina person. And I'm like, you know what? You should <laughs> Sabrina person. Let me sit you down. Let me talk to you about the Aces for a second. But it is an interesting thought experiment because if that was a prop with the Aces versus the field, I kind of think I would take the Aces. It's still easy. It's <laughs> like they're so good. They're so good. You said it yesterday when I texted you. I was like, hey, the sky played a pretty good game last night. And you're like, yeah, Las Vegas is just a cheat code. Like they are the Michael Vicks of the league right now. Don't <laughs> you, you're not allowed to play with Las Vegas. If you're playing 2k, because it's just, it's too easy. Granted, we talked about them being a little bit thinner without Candace, but they still have Chelsea gray 
who when was the last time Chelsea Gray was injured for a significant portion of the season? God, it's been I a bit. I can't remember it. You still yeah. have Asia looking healthy. Still have Jackie Young looking healthy. Not quite as world beating as she was last year, but not quite as not bad. Kelsey Plum, those two in the backcourt together are just like those three in the backcourt together. Those three names I just mentioned are a ridiculous trio to go up against last um at any given time. And like we saw last night, you could probably slow down one or maybe stop one, but you probably can't stop two of them or three of them all the same night. And then if you do, you still got to deal with Asia Wilson. Uh, it it's just too much. It it really is just too much. And like I said, I'm still not sold on New York being able to compete wholly with them yet. And Connecticut is probably the only team that has a shot. And there's still some things about Connecticut, even as well as they they're playing and as well as they played, that they're not as good as Las Vegas. They're just not as good as Las Vegas. So you you bet Las Vegas to make money. You do, even if you're making less money than you originally bet you're still making money everything else is a very unsure bet i'm with you like i look at a team like new york who we've had a, we had a fun back and forth in the last pot about selling and buying new york liberty stock but in all seriousness i look at that liberty team who guards kelsey plum who is running around for you know 35 40 minutes in a five game playoff series that is chasing Kelsey Plum around and actually stopping her from reaching her apex. It's not going to be Courtney Vandersloot. Let's let's be fair, right? It's not going to be Courtney Vandersloot. It's not going to be Sabrina Inescu. I don't see it really being Marine Johannes. I I wonder who's going to guard someone who's running around like that as much as much as Kelsey just moves off the ball. I don't know who get that assignment is and is successful with it. And there's different coverages that you can throw up at her, obviously. But then <laughs> you're taking away your focus from someone like Chelsea Gray and Asia Wilson. And I, the Asia Wilson versus Stewie matchup is going to be great because it always is. But there's these other like matchups that I look at with New York where, I'm sorry, I just don't see who is the stopper for Kelsey Plum when you could probably put Benajah Laney on Chelsea Gray and have some success. I don't think there's anything such thing as stopping Chelsea Gray in the last 14 months that we've seen. She has been one of the best players in basketball, period. And I don't get it from a matchup perspective how that's going to go down for the Liberty. You know, I I think I'm with you on the sun as well. It's just who I like the front court a lot. And it's been really cool to see Beck Allen come back after having a collapsed lung at one point and Tip Hayes being healthy for most of the season. Like that's just an absolute joy, but to beat an all time great team, which already it, I don't even care at this point. I'm just going to say it. This is an all time great team. What they've done, what they're, I think this is the 20, the 25 game mark for them at this point, 24, 25 game mark is probably the most dominant 25 games we've ever seen from a WNBA team, statistically at least. So I don't see how any of these teams beat beat up. I don't think Dallas, they're, they have not done well on the road this year as much as I think they could get to the finals. I don't think they could beat the fucking Las Vegas Aces. And uh, then you start drifting into Mystic's Dream Sky territory, which I would never touch as a better in this season. 
Like yeah, the dream are the, the most competent group out of that bunch. And then if you had to pick a dark horse, like, all right, screw it, I'm gonna throw a dollar down to make a hundred, maybe it would be Atlanta because they have a good front core tandem in terms of an all around the or all around the 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 court scorer in Ryan Howard and Cheyenne Park and Cheyenne Parker, who without Candace Parker could be a really dominant force on the boards for Atlanta. But you still have a backcourt that is, outside of Daniel Robinson, not really been tested in the same way as the players on Las Vegas have. And you can't count on, you know, the combined forces of, this is like Ari McDonald and, and Haley Jones. And, you know, like who's going to go up against that, that Las Vegas backcourt? So if some other catastrophe befalls Las Vegas and there's a player that we have specifically not mentioned because they don't deserve mention here. Mm. If some other player befalls, you know, some other catastrophe befalls Las Vegas in terms of personnel, then maybe you you put that dollar down and say, okay, Atlanta has a chance because of the field, but then Atlanta would have to get past Connecticut or New York. So your best bets are the teams at the top of the standings and it's really Las Vegas or the field and while the field is slightly better here, it's still it's still just got to be Las Vegas. And I think it was FanDuel who had a prop heading into the NCAA tournament that had that had South Carolina versus the field. And even then, I didn't love that bet because I felt like there were teams closer to South Carolina than there are teams that are close to the Aces at this point. And if there was a prop right now that said Las Vegas versus the field, I'd feel very confident, even with Candace being out probably for the rest of the season. Like, let's be honest, like that's an injury that takes some time to like to work yourself back from. And especially, I mean, if Candace actually does want to play after this season, I do. I really hope we haven't seen the last of Candace and this be the way that she goes out. That would just be heartbreaking as someone that grew up watching Candace. Um, and just think that she's like a superhero at this point. It's just, I do wonder if she's able, really going to be able to make that push to make it back for the playoffs. And if that's even smart at this point, if she wants to extend her basketball career, despite all of that, I feel pretty good about the aces. Um, and what we pro I don't want to, we, we're running out of time right now, but I will just say in terms of the, uh, what happened with Raquana Williams and her being charged with, Domestic violence against her spouse. There is no place for that. Not one inch of this earth is there a place for that. Um, and I hope the WNBA does the right thing after this being the second instance that this has happened. This happened in 2019. Where she was suspended for 10 games, I believe it was. If they do the right thing, if they show they have no tolerance for this, and they eliminate, or they just... Uh, just jettison Raquana Williams that she can no longer play in the WNBA. It is a privilege to play in the league in professional sports. And if the league does value people the way that it says that it values people, I really hope that they will go ahead and not allow Raquana Williams to come back into this league. It's a second offense, especially there's just no place for that shit, Chris. There's no place for that. Um, is there anything that you want to say about that before we, close out the show nothing more than you said she shouldn't play in the league again simple as that man so i really hope we uh we see action with this soon and 
it's this is not a knee-jerk reaction we saw what the police report said and details of it and um yeah just i'm so uh just keep the people that have ever been through that in your thoughts you know who see that and have to kind of relive it because that's a very real thing but in lighter news um the chicago sky have a couple of games coming up soon we'll be back on the pod I'm assuming that probably next time next or this time next week. So we appreciate you tuning in for this episode. If you want to reach out to us, you can always do so by emailing our mailbag, which is the skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. One more time. That is the skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. And if you could take a second to rate and review the show, wherever you get your pods, we would really appreciate that. It helps us out from a business standpoint, which I know you'd think, look, well, just, hearing me and Chris talk, you're like, these aren't business people. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm just joking, Chris, you're great. Um, but <laughs> if you want to find us on social media as well, you can check out our link tree, which is in the episode description, it has everything you need to find us outside of the audio version of this podcast. And again, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And until next time.